Hey guys, welcome back to Unpopular. What's going on? I just got back from dinner. I went to an Italian restaurant with guess who? My mom, because there's no one else here. And we went to this little Italian joint in town that I have not been to since I moved back to this godforsaken town. It's kind of like boutique and niche. It sort of looks like a Italian joint you would find in an alleyway in the city, you know, like a hidden hotspot in a big city. And I've always wanted to go there, but you've got a book to get a table. My one friend in town hates it. My other friend, I did make another friend. She has a boyfriend now, so she's, you know, gone, never to be seen again. So I never had a chance to eat there. And then my mom, actually don't know why she wanted to get lunch. I mean, sorry, I don't know why she wanted to get dinner tonight because we hung out like two days ago, but she said, let's get dinner. And I was like, okay. Um, I don't get many dinner invites here. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. I'm not going to the gym tonight. We went there. It was so bad. It was fucking shit. And I was like, my God, like there's just nothing here. Nothing's fucking good here. And it had the tiny tables. I cannot stand these tiny tables they give you. I don't know what they're trying to play at. I don't know if they think that it looks like classier or, oh my God, it's like you're in Italy with like a little fucking table on a cobblestone street and, you know, the fucking white lotus seas out there. It's like, no, like, it's not like that. I'm like six foot two almost. It's too fucking small. You don't want to move your legs because you feel like you're going to bang the table. There's not enough room on the table to have like your plate and a drink and then like the cutlery and stuff. It's just bullshit. And then they brought out the pasta. So fucking average. Like I'll get better pasta at the pub. No joke. Like I may as well have just gone to the pub, got a fucking palmy. I would have had a real table to sit at and like, it would have been fine. But, um, yeah, a waste of time. I mean, not a complete waste of time. Cause now I can tick it off the list of like never going there again, but it's just like, this fucking place. But anyway, everything else is going fine. I've got my passport. I was going to tell you about um, my passport hell, but I can't be bothered because I don't want, I feel like this episode is going to go for a really long time because this is my traders episode. Finally, I have Anne and Gina from the Dame Sue Dish podcast. I've been friends with them for a few years now. They're so nice. They've always been so supportive. I was waiting for just, you know, a fun show to review to have them on. And this is it. And I've been making a lot of notes for, you know, different topics that I want to talk about. And I've had kind of a list of like different things that are kind of controversial. And I've been avoiding them because the Dame Sue Dish are so nice. And I'm like, let me just make a nice, fun episode. We'll review the traders and we'll leave it at that. And I won't like sandwich them into anything controversial. Um, Because there was like this article about this transgender pediatric clinic and That went viral and I kind of wanted to talk about that. And I'm like, no, leave that out. We don't need to put that. We can talk about that next week. And then there's a uh, scandal going on here in Australia with, you know how I'm like obsessed with celebrities and white women um, diagnosing themselves from TikTok with like ADHD and different disorders and being neurodivergent. And I kind of think it's like, it's a mixture of faking it and then also just people convincing themselves that they are because they're on TikTok too much. And it's like a thing that I've been following for a really long time. Well, there was a big drama in the Australian media that kind of went on over the weekend about an Australian celebrity sort of maybe possibly doing that. I kind of like kicked it off and I wanted to give you that whole story. And I went, no, 
Let's not do the fake autism (laughs) podcast with the Dame Sue dish. Let's, you know, save that for another day and keep it cute. And then some bullshit happened on Instagram and I just have to fucking talk about it. Um, Two accounts are feuding and I have to weigh in. So, no, maybe this is kind of like a two-part episode, me weighing in on this bullshit and then the Traders Review, which is really fun. But I do want to talk about this because it kind of pissed me off and I didn't even mean to get fired up about it. You know, I have good intentions. I went on Instagram at first and I just said, hmm, People are sending me this thing that's happening and I'm very neutral. I don't really want to get involved because that's tacky. So whatever. And now I'm just like on one. So it's these two girls, well, two women that are in it. Uh, The Zen Blonde, she's more big on TikTok and House Inhabit. A lot of you probably know House Inhabit. She was just on Juicy Scoop recently, but she has huge following. People send her to me all the time. I've followed her for a really long time. She's very popular. And I didn't want to cover it at first because I just think it's so fucking undignified and gross and ambulance chasing when other creators are in a beef and then you try to like weigh in because it's obvious that you're doing it for clout. So that's why I didn't want to say anything on Instagram specifically because it's like, ugh. Now I'm just like riding on their fucking dick to like get people to look at my opinion on this and get some views up from that. And I just think it's disgusting. And I criticize other people when they do that shit. And yes, I'm a fucking hypocrite. I know I'm a hypocrite. It's fine. I am a hypocrite. But I just didn't want to go down that path. Um, So I just tried to bite my tongue and I'm like, oh, talk about on my podcast a bit maybe i feel it feels like it's less thirsty it feels like it's more private here you know because it's like you've sort of got to be a fan of the podcast to hear what i'm saying as opposed to instagram where like every random will come and like you know look at your page but not follow you so they're both news accounts but they have very different kind of styles different politics different aesthetics very very different even though they kind of do a similar thing so The Zen Blonde is mostly big on TikTok. She has over 320,000 followers, I think. She does, like, fluffy celebrity reporting, but then she does, like, true crime stuff. She does a lot of pro-Harry and Meghan content, so she's one of those. She does those, like, TikTok videos where it's, like, the floating head in front of the green screen of, um, you know, um, Kravis broke up, like, and their face is floating there. She does that stuff. Um, She really got popular with the whole Army Hammer stuff because she is the one, and credit to her for sort of getting on this before every other TikToker. She dug up the book that his aunt, Casey Hammer, wrote about the Hammer family, and then that kind of set off a chain reaction that really ended with that trashy House in Hammer true crime docuseries that came out, which I thought was appalling. Um, And of course, Zen Blonde was a talking head on that. And you know what? She should have been because she kind of uncovered that book. Then from there, she went on Juicy Scoop and then Casey Hammer went on Juicy Scoop. And then I think Heather McDonald helped Casey Hammer get the House of Hammer thing going. So I think Casey Hammer was maybe a producer or something on that. So really, she was responsible for a lot of that. Now, House in Habit, She's really big on Instagram. She has 1.2 million followers. She also has a Substack that is really popular and has a lot of uh, subscribers. I guess she's more conservative leaning. I don't know what to classify people as sometimes because people always say that I'm a right winger, which I'm literally not. Like, <laughs> I think I'm just like independent, honestly. I'm like all over the shop, but people are like, oh, 
he's a right winger, he's a conservative, whatever, but I guess put her in the conservative basket because she definitely skews to the conservative angle with a lot of the issues she does from what I see. Like I followed her for a long time, but you know, I'm not reading her account every day. I don't, I'm just not really into following Instagram and TikTok news accounts. I'm more of a Twitter person. But she does a lot of, like, Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Of course, you know, Balenciaga pedophiles. I think she was on that whole thing. The Chinese spy balloon, anti-Meghan Markle stuff. She also does some lifestyle content because she's very chic and wealthy. So people just really like her aesthetic. And she has a really good job um, with how she has her page laid out and her stories. And she's very stylish and cool. So people really like that. And she's a good writer too. So her content is all written instead of the TikTok floating head reporting. She really blew up, I think through the free Britney movement. But then when I first heard of her was the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial, because she went hard for Johnny Depp right at the start. So kind of like how Zen Blonde got in on the, you know, Army Hammer stuff pretty early. Uh, House in Habit got in on the Johnny Depp stuff very early and was like team Depp. And then From there, she just grew and grew and grew, and now she's, like, a really big deal. So I follow them both. Um, Well, at least I did until today. I've just unfollowed the Zen Blonde and then removed her as one of my followers, and she'll probably block me if she ends up hearing this podcast because I could not believe how she was acting. And I like them both. Well, I liked past tense them both until today. Um, I had talked to Zen Blonde before, I think on Clubhouse back in the day when people were using Clubhouse during the pandemic. I think we talked to each other then. We started following each other. She doesn't look at my stories as far as I know because I believe that she probably would have unfollowed me because you guys know I'll post like COVID stuff and different things like that. So, you know, if people can't handle that content, they, you know, obviously don't follow me. Um, and I always thought she was a nice girl and had nothing against her. Did I watch her TikToks? No, but all the interactions I had with her were pleasant. If some of her content came across my timeline and I saw it and it was something I don't agree with, I just kept scrolling, guys. I wasn't triggered. I wasn't like, oh, she's supporting Meghan Markle. I can't follow her anymore. Guys, I didn't care. I can separate the creator from, you know, the person I interacted with, Okay. So I had no problem. Is the House in Habit content more my vibe? Yes, it is. Of course, me and House in Habit are going to align on a lot more issues, but not everything. Um, again, the Balenciaga thing, I was very against the whole Balenciaga satanic panic thing. Not that many people were against that either. I feel like when that first happened, it was really only like Red Scare and like Red Scare adjacent podcasts and like people that listened to Red Scare that were like not on that bandwagon. It was like TPN and... um like Patrick Sandberg and like me and Dan Allegretto and stuff. And then everyone else was like, they're pedophiles. But I was not onto that whole thing. I thought it was ridiculous. And I talked about it here. Um, Now, Zen Blonde and House Inhabit are in a huge feud. And from what I gathered, they fell out over House Inhabit's coverage of the Army Hammer stuff because that airmail interview dropped that I sort of covered here and – That article was, you know, very pro-army, I guess. It definitely put his victims in a bad light. So House in Habit has been following, you know, that side of things. She's been scrutinizing the victims and where the victims have, like, lied and things haven't checked out. Whereas Zen Blonde, obviously, she made her whole kind of TikTok career from coming after Hammy and, you know, criticizing him and stuff. So tongue-tied, she's on the opposite end of that spectrum, okay, when it comes to that argument. Now, Zen Blonde went on Instagram, started trashing House Inhabit for how she was covering ARMY, went on a rant or something, 
At first, I didn't watch the whole thing. Just people were sort of DMing me going, oh, now Zen Blonde's coming for House in Habit. And I was like, oh, LOL, like, really? Because I don't, I don't care that much about, you know, Instagram accounts fighting and stuff. Like, it's not that juicy to me. Although I was into the Ben Shapiro versus Steven Crowder. I did totally get into that. But um, whatever, who cares? So I was pretty neutral at first. You know, I totally agree more with House in Habit side of things than Zen Blondes, but I'm like, this is just an ideological, you know, dispute, left first, right. They're never going to see eye to eye on this stuff. It doesn't really matter who I personally agree with more. They're both entitled to their opinion. They're both entitled to, like, criticize each other's reporting or coverage on something. I just chalked it down to that. I didn't care. All good. You know, I've talked to Zen Blonde before back in the day. Seems like a nice girl. It's fine. Being neutral, being sensible. And then I started really looking at what Zen Blonde was posting about House in Habit versus how, like, House in Habit was, like, responding to it. And I was like, oh, fuck this bitch. Like, she is the worst. I couldn't, I was like, she's so bad. My jaw was on the floor of, like, how fucking ridiculous she was, what a hypocrite she was, the lack of self, self-awareness. The fucking smearing, the pettiness, the childishness, the nastiness, everything. I was like, this woman is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like, where do I even begin? Like, her rant starts off. She posts it in the car. Um, she's like, I've seen all that bullshit that House Inhabits posting about Army Hammer. She's not a credible source. Don't follow her. If you're following her, unfollow her. She's she's damaging people. She incites hatred. She incites danger towards women. She's a troll. I have her blocked. Like, just going on and on. All of this fucking crap. And it's like under the guise of like concern trolling or like doing something good for the community, like guys, she's inciting hatred. She's she's inciting hatred. She needs to be deplatformed. Like you can't follow her. Like she's dangerous. Like I had to block her. She's not credible, guys. You can't be getting misinformation. Like she's doing it it's fucking concern trolling, like fuck off. And also like so passive aggressive. But like that was just the beginning. From there, it's like House Inhabit only cares about how many followers she has. She creates sensationalized content for clicks, says the woman that starred in fucking House of Hammer, the biggest piece of trash documentary, which literally that documentary and all these stupid Karen ass true crime documentaries that are coming out, the next generation is going to look at them like they look back at like a Ricky Lake expose or something and laugh at it or like a fucking Tyra Banks segment. Like they have no credibility. They're trash. They're trash for fucking dumb ass wine mums and cat lady millennials that don't have any fucking kids. But anyway, she's going on about that. She's like, um, actually, sometimes they do have kids, which is even sadder. They have kids and they still devote their fucking time to looking at this fucking shit and being obsessed with it. It's like, where are your kids? It was like when they did that um, article about the people that run those Bravo meme accounts and this mum's like, yeah, I dropped my kid at school and then I'm sitting in the car like trying to post memes and it's like, um, okay, mum, mum of the year. Anyway, Zen Blonde is like going on and on and she's like, uh, House Inhabit doesn't understand what it's like for victims of sexual assault. She doesn't use her platform responsibly. She spreads misinformation. She's not educated. Victims are scared to come forward because of her. The only reason ARMY's victims don't sound credible, it's not because they're liars or anything like that and their stories don't add up. It's because the legal system's so misogynistic and these girls just haven't told us everything yet. That's why nothing they say sounds credible and it's all ridiculous and House Inhabit can pose... 
can poke so many fucking holes like Swiss cheese in their stories. It's because we need to believe all women and they just haven't told us the truth yet. So who is she to even report on that? And so many people feel the same way that I do. I get so many messages from people and House in Habits, she really needs to look inward and just figure out why her platform is only going after women and victims. And I blocked her because she was posting anti-vax bullshit and she goes after Meghan Markle and Hillary Clinton. Like it just did not stop because from there, after she did her rant, she's then reposting all this shit that her fucking bird brain followers are tagging her in saying House in Habit is racist. She's anti-Semitic. She's transphobic. She's homophobic. Guys, you think I'm exaggerating that I'm listing literally this, all this shit was in the stuff she was reposting. This isn't me just like being fucking dramatic. Cause I'm like doing a podcast. This is the kind of fucking crap she was putting out there with no fucking receipts. She's quote queer phobic because she criticizes Sam Smith. She's a bored mummy blogger who joined QAnon and she thinks she's a journalist. She made fun of Joe Biden for stuttering. She criticized Gavin Newsom for trying to protect public health. Gavin Newsom trying to protect public health. Are you fucking kidding me after he was caught in fucking French laundry? Please, the stupidity of this fucking woman. And then I feel like this was the straw that broke the camel's back for me was when she linked to this subreddit thread that is just all about hating house inhabit because, you know, when you get relevant enough, whether it's like you're the morning toast or your HRH collection, or even anybody. I don't even mean to name someone like controversial like HRH, but just any fucking creator, when you get popular enough, you get all these haters. And you know what the fucking Karen haters do? They go to fucking Reddit and they start a subreddit of how shitty you are and they just like dissect everything you did. Like when I talked about the morning toast one, which I couldn't believe there were so many people on a morning toast fucking subreddit just ripping them apart... And they were like whinging about, um, oh, I can't believe the Morning Toast was celebrating reaching 500 episodes. What's so good about that? Like, that's the sort of shit they nitpick at because of these bored fucking dumbass women that have nothing better to do. Not that men are any better because I know men go on Reddit, they share illegal porn because I've gone there when I was trying to find the Iggy Azalea OnlyFans leaks just because I was like, curious, what's Iggy Azalea doing on OnlyFans? They spread porn on there. I'm sure they're on, you know, whatever, beating their dicks on an Andrew Tate forum. Men are bad too. So everyone's bad. Okay. So whatever. You guys know, I just fucking hate these subreddits and they're not credible. They're just nasty. Literally, it's just fucking a bunch of Karens bitching about someone that is like doing more than them and more successful than them. And they spend hours of their day on there. And then for Zen Blonde to like link the subreddit and go, guys, if you want to know more about House in Habit, go to this subreddit. I'm like, are you fucking serious? This fucking scum of the earth, Karen Roach, hive hellhole filled with stupid people who just complain about other women all day. It's fucking pathetic. Zen Blonde, I would have been with her if she had just gone on her platform and said, hey, I think what House Inhabit is reporting about Army Hammer is bullshit, and this is why, and these are the reasons, and this is why this story that she posted is incredible, or this claim that she made is incredible. That's all she had to do, but then to go on this fucking tirade of labeling House Inhabit racist, transphobic, not a real journalist, not credible, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, 
Zen Blonde, honestly, being a millennial white woman, she is that stereotype of that libtarded, woke white woman that I'm always complaining about. The gays and those white, woke, millennial women that ruin everything, okay? They're the ones that ruin Bravo, and they're the ones that just fucking complain and are so fucking useless and police everybody. And, like, not to sound like Piers Morgan, because I do hate to play into that stereotype, because, um, you know, I'm not here to just be, like, some right-wing, like, fucking soundbite soundbite, culture wars, whatever. But Zen Blonde, she is that fucking tyrannical libtard who just wants to silence anyone with a different opinion. And then to do that, they'll smear the fuck out of you, call you every single name in the book. They have this obsession with misinformation and like using your platform responsibly, which just means, oh, you don't think the same way that I do. So you can't have a platform. You need to get off the internet. You're not entitled to a platform. That's misinformation. Everything I say is the truth. So if you talk like me, you can have a platform. If you don't get off the internet, they do it on of the guys of protecting others and you know protecting people from harm but it's literally just about controlling information controlling the narrative pushing censorship silencing anybody that doesn't agree with them and the lack of self-awareness from her she questions house inhabits credibility right and points out that you know house inhabit isn't a real journalist like girl you're a fucking floating head on tiktok covering celebrity drama you did a tiktok on which celebrities were at the super bowl so Come on, like, if you're a real, if you're at the New York Times or something, like, not that that gives you that much credibility, but okay, if you're, like, actually really a journalist, you can criticize someone else for not being a real journalist and not being credible. When you're just some, like, white bitch on fucking TikTok that's, like, talking about, like, Army Hammer or whatever, and then being a talking head in some exploitation docuseries, you don't get to, like, come at someone else for spreading misinformation. They also cover so many of the same topics like Meghan Markle and Harry or Army Hammer or Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Why is it not credible if House Inhabit does it and she's not a real journalist, but then you can cover all of the same topics and somehow you're credible? What the fuck? Yeah, it's because she doesn't agree with your opinion on it. So that means she's not credible. Like, fuck off. And you know what's even funnier is that House Inhabit actually goes to the courthouses in person sometimes. She does like boots on the ground reporting and yeah she's privileged because she's very wealthy so i'm sure she can afford to like fly around and do all this shit but you know what there are plenty of broke ass journalists that still go and do on the ground fucking reporting and will like go to a courthouse or go to investigate something in person and will like build up a following then on substack and get money to like fund their like independent journalism i follow many people like that the zen blonde is sitting on a fucking couch talking about, like, Rihanna at the Super Bowl or whatever new true crime thing she watched on Netflix. So, like, who is she to criticize House Inhabit for House Inhabit's reporting? House Inhabit has a whole thriving substack with tons of subscribers. Not only does she do op-eds on there, not only does she do investigative reporting, she even does, like, style pieces, like a fashion magazine. Like, she has a fucking vibe. She has an aesthetic. She has like a point of view. She's actually a good writer. That's why 1.2 million people follow her. Zen Blonde is one of like 50,000 millennial white girl floating head on TikTok going, guys, we need to talk about Kravis. Like you're not doing anything interesting or different. Like House Inhabit has way more credibility than you. And I'm sure that House Inhabit does spread like, oh, I don't want to say fucking misinformation, but like, I'm sure that not everything on there is credible. Well, like I said earlier, I didn't agree with the Balenciaga thing. She pushed that. Um, I'm sure there's plenty on there that like doesn't pass the test. Just like there's plenty on your fucking account that doesn't pass the fucking test either. Like 
we're just one person. We all have our own platform. I have a podcast. Zen Blonde has a TikTok. House in Habit has a Substack. There's only so much we can do. Yes, we're going to get things wrong. Don't act like you're the only one that gets things right and then everyone else because they don't agree with you is misinformation. It's such a crock of shit. And you need those people like a House in Habit that's actually brave enough to go against the grain on some stuff like a Joe Rogan that I always bring up. Is everything Joe Rogan says correct? Of course not. Like he, I listen to him a lot. He says so much dumb shit, especially lately, that I'm like, Joe, why the fuck are you going down this? You know, why are you thinking that there's every kid is turning into like a trans furry that pees in a kitty box and stuff? Like he goes on these things, but it's like, then he also gets things right. Like he got a lot of stuff right on COVID when people were trying to silence him. If people had had their way, they would have taken Joe Rogan's podcast down for, you know, misinformation and then... He just would have been like silenced. Zen Blonde covers heaps of stuff that's just not true. Like the Harry and Meghan stuff. Like how are you still a Meghan Markle fan? Like I understand the instinct to want to like go in and bat for Meghan Markle. Because I agree Meghan Markle's haters are like unwell. Like they're crazy. Like the level that they hate her and the obsession. They're like the subreddit fucking Karens that I was talking about before, right? For Meghan Markle. Like... They're crazy. So I understand like the sort of knee jerk reaction to then want to defend her. But it's like, if you actually are looking at the facts of it, there's so much she lies about, so much Harry lies about. There's so many fucking holes in their story. It's just so easily debunked. And the people that at this point in 2023, they're still on that train. You just don't want to see the truth about it. Okay. You don't even have to like hate her. But to be in there being a fan, you don't follow the facts, okay? The fact that she um, called House Inhabit an anti-vaxxer. Now, what did House Inhabit do that was anti-vax? I saw House Inhabit respond to it on her Instagram stories before, and she posted the new thing that came out from uh, the new study that says, hey, natural immunity, it's just as strong as being vaccinated, if not stronger. Do you know how many people were saying that from the start? I was saying that, Joe Rogan was saying that, clearly House Inhabit was saying that, uh, Jebediah Bila, whatever her name is, she said that. Do you guys remember when she went on The View? They said, so are you vaccinated? She said, no, I just had COVID and I've spoken to my doctor and my doctor told me that I have the antibodies from the natural immunity from having COVID and I don't need to get vaccinated now. The whole panel of The View like burned her at the stake. You're you're crazy. You're spreading misinformation. You're an anti-vaxxer. That's ridiculous. All shouting over her. Um a, straight up a gang up. And it felt like it was a setup as well. Lectured her. It was shocking. Hey, guess who was right? Jebediah Bila, because now that information has come out and it's confirmed. Even though people like myself, people like House Inhabit, people like Joe Rogan, even, we already fucking knew this because we don't just believe every single fucking thing blindly that we're told but like this just shows how like zen blonde is so fucking partisan with this stuff because it's like even when the facts have changed whether it's something on Meghan markle whether it's on covid um her defending like gavin newsom uh even the army hammer stuff like i i think army hammer's a gross guy you guys heard me talk about it but it's like some of these victims that have come forward are questionable. She can't see any of that because she's a fucking partisan hack that is just so on her fucking like libtard side of things that everyone else that says anything that goes against her narrative has to be silenced, is a racist, is a transphobe, must be shut down. Like it's just so fucking 
embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. And it's just like, they always do this. They always just make it about misinformation. They always make it about you can't have a platform. They always go to the fucking personal attacks of your this, 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 this. And like, I hate that I even have to come on here and do this because it's like, conservatives are fucking annoying lately. Like, I can't stand them lately. I do think they're totally homophobic at the moment, the stuff that I'm seeing. Um, Their whole, like, drag queen story, our hysteria and all the stuff they're doing is like so bad as well so i'd like to be able to like talk about that more but then when something like this is just in my face so much and i just i'm like how do you have this little self-awareness to go in on house inhabit like this when you're just a fucking loser that has no vibe no credibility is a complete hypocrite is totally unoriginal is totally boring is a fucking floating head on tiktok is so lame is sitting in a fucking car park like with nothing going for you your whole career is about getting on some shitty fucking army hammer documentary which at the time i remember like i thought to myself "Mm, girl is she really on that because again i thought oh she's she's a nice girl i didn't have a problem with her i did give people the side eye that appeared in that house of hammer docuseries because i thought it was a load of bullshit but i was also like hey i get it I'm in this industry, secure the bag. Hey, this is a big opportunity for you. You might be able to go on and do other things. I totally understand. You get an opportunity to appear on a fucking TV show. Why not take it? Like I kind of gave her the benefit of the doubt. And now I look look back at it. I'm like, no, you'll just, you'll fucking sell out for anything. Like she was trying to say house inhabit only cares about followers. Clearly that's all you fucking care about if you'll take any fucking stupid fucking like gig presented to you. And while I wrap this up, I just want to read out what House Inhabit wrote back to Zen Blonde, which I thought was like such a good response, honestly, and like really clocked that, like clocked her. Um, she said, first of all, I blocked you, but whatever makes you happy. Second, all the quote bullshit and quote hate you mention is really just facts and perspective presented here and doesn't match your silly TikTok parking lot musings. Third, I can afford to go to these trials because I've made it a priority in my life to be on site at these trials where so many of these details I crave and appreciate never make it into mainstream reportings. Sorry that bothers you. Fourth, I'm not defending any of these people, but this seems above your head, so I'm not wasting any more time breaking down that defense. Fifth, instead of warning people not to follow someone who is, quote, dangerous, why not put more effort into being follow-worthy yourself? Productivity over jealousy goes much further, I promise. Then when someone said, why do you keep answering critics? House Inhabit said, because I think it's important to break down the current standing notion that anything outside of the prescribed narratives in trending stories is hate-based or dangerous to combat the idea that journalism needs to continue caving to safe and soft angles to appease this type of person who is essentially responsible for shrinking, not aiding progressive dialogue but also painfully boring, which to me is worse. Yes, she is fucking painfully boring. And that's the thing. And like, now I feel like I'm talking to toddlers trying to say this, but if House Inhabits putting out bad information, and I'm sure there's plenty on House Inhabits account that doesn't like pass the test, just combat it with good information. Go on your TikTok and do more videos about why the victims are so credible and why they should all be believed. And factually, why House Inhabits reporting is wrong. Don't go on your fucking account and spent hours just blasting her as a racist, transphobic, anti-vax, misinformation, spreading, um, not credible uh, clout chaser. Because that just, like, that shows exactly who you are. Because House Inhabit did not even respond to her in that kind of way and smear her like that. So, 
I just think like she's the worst. She'll probably block me. I unfollowed her. I removed her as a follower for me. And anyway, let's get into some fun stuff. Let's get into the traders. So, um, yeah, follow me on social media and check out the Patreon because I actually had Zach Peter on for an emergency Patreon episode the other day. And we kind of reacted to Jen Shah from the Housewives of Salt Lake City. We reacted to her doing this like pre-prison interview, which was just full of lies. We did a live reaction to that. We didn't even plan the Patreon. And then we actually um, shared some tea about New Jersey and compared some notes on some things. So there is housewives tea on the Patreon, not to be like annoying, like sign up to my Patreon if you want tea, but I'm just saying there is tea there. And also I recorded so long with the Dame Sue dish that I'm going to put the rest of our episode up on Patreon. So we talked about um, Love is Blind Season 3's After the Altar. We went right into that and we talked about um, Heather Gay's Bad Mormon and some more Jen Shah stuff. So the bonus co- bonus stuff with um, Dames Who Dish will be out in the next day or two on Patreon. There's like Peter stuff's there. Patreon.com slash UnpopularJP if you want to sign up. And then the links to follow me and the links to follow Dames Who Dish are all in the show notes of the episode. Thank you guys for listening. Here I am with the traders. And yeah, have a good week, guys. Bye. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back. I am joined today by my two wonderful friends, Anne and Gina from the reality TV recap podcast, Dame Sue Dish. It's honestly one of the best reality recap pods out there. They really just get across all of the shows and not just the Bravo shows, like they do Married at First Sight, they do the stuff on TLC, they'll do Survivor and The Bachelor, like they give you a bit of everything. So even if you're not watching the show, you can listen to their podcast and you kind of know what's up. So hey girls, how are you? Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you, Jacques. Gosh, that intro. I, I feel know. so honored. <laughs> no, your your part is great. I'm actually so jealous of you too because you have like such funny banter together and such a genuine connection because you've been friends for so long. Like it's a kind of vibe you can only get from a real friendship. And I wish I had a co-host because it's so hard to not only find a co-host but someone that you have like that connection with, but you guys just like uh, have such a great, a great vibe together. We do have fun and we laugh at each other. That's what I like the most. It's, it's, we would not do it if we didn't have fun doing it. So I appreciate Gina that she comes along and lets us just talk about the stupid shit that we do. (laughs) And yeah, we're having a great time. You were just in Australia. We were, we, oh yeah. Yeah. We 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 didn't have a great trip, but we loved Australia. We had a horrible stint in New Zealand, but that's for another day. But we loved Sydney, loved it. But you're coming to the States next month, right? Yeah, in April. And yeah, I'm excited. I've basically made no itinerary, but like everyone, everyone's pretty much in LA and I'm staying at my friend, actually the person I'm staying with, Dan, he, um, I met him through podcast, through the podcast and now we've become friends and he has a place in LA. So I'm going to be staying there for a lot of the time. And then I'm still kind of like working out the rest of it. Cause I want to, I definitely want to meet all of my little like um, housewives, friends and stuff that I've made since having the podcast. That's the main reason I want to go to New York. So I want to meet Leah. Cause I kind of don't, I, it's too far New York. I'm like, Oh, like I'm just not good at like, going anywhere like I'm so fucking useless but I'm like I want to meet Leah McSweeney (laughs) 
Well, in California, you'll see your friend, Zach, you'll see all of your good friends that you've made, you know, through podcasting. It's so fun. I'm excited about like playing the shocked Australian tourist um, and go, oh my God, there's so much crime here. Why are there so many homeless people? Like I'm totally going to be doing that the whole time and acting like Australia is like so much like cleaner and like safer. They'll never have this in Australia. Like I'm totally going to do that. By the way, you may not have to act. Yeah. (laughs) You may just be that shocked. Although we didn't see any of that in Australia, at least where we were. I have you on specifically because I really want to talk about the traders, which is our new obsession. It's so fucking good. One of the best reality shows I've seen in years. And I think I think this is the new big competition format. Like I think we've had Big Brother, we've had Survivor. I think we're gonna get this new era of the traders. Um Let's talk about the American version on Peacock first, mostly because I want to save the best to last, which is the UK version, which is incredible. So for you guys that don't understand the concept, I'll just explain it. So it's a reality TV competition show. They get a group of strangers, about like 22 people. They go to a Scottish castle and they compete in these really boring challenges, which you'll probably fast forward, to build up a prize pot of money and then Amongst the group is three secret traders, and the job of the traders is to, like, murder, which just means to eliminate uh, one of the other contestants every single day. Like, each night, someone gets murdered. Um, The people that are getting murdered are called faithfuls. So, you have the traders, and then you have the faithfuls, which are the good guys. Now, the traders meet each night under, like, cloak and dagger in a clock tower of the castle, and they decide who they're going to murder, and then whoever's been murdered just, like, doesn't show up to breakfast the next day. They don't have a rose ceremony or anything. It's just like, oh, you know, Theo's not here for a croissant. He's been murdered. Now, the faithfuls don't know who the traders are, so their job is to figure out who the traders are before the end of the game. Each episode, they do a banishment. So in the banishment, they all sit around a round table and they vote on who they think the traitor is and then the person with the most votes is banished. And this is usually where you get a lot of the drama because they start pointing fingers at each other, they start fighting for their lives and, like, you know, scrambling for survival. And I think it's this person, I think it's that person. And the aim of the game is for the faithfuls to get to the very end without any traitors. And if they make it to the end and there is a trader in their midst, the trader walks away with all of the money. It sounds kind of confusing. The American version, actually, it was. In the UK version, they explained it all perfectly and it was very seamless. In the US version, I was a bit like, what? And um, right off the bat, I have to say, you guys will probably agree, I'm sure, the game's like definitely skewed for the traders to win, don't you think? Because like as soon as a trader is eliminated, like they can recruit a new trader. So they just replenish themselves until the end. True, true. I mean, it's hard to not want to talk about the UK version. But since we did watch the US one first, we actually had Stephanie on our show a couple weeks ago. And she was just as confused as we were watching it. Because she said they showed up, they had no explanation of what the game was. Then even when they explained it, they were all like, wait, what? What's going on? You know, they didn't. It was like they were figuring it out as they went along. (laughs) <laughs> that's not a good yeah. basis for a, a show. She literally arrived like, you know, the night before and had to get up at 5am and start the Just game start. with not knowing anything about it. So with the U S version, they intertwined um, past reality contestants with some yeah. normies, some normal, just 
Joe Schmoes, you know, that want to be on reality TV. I just think that was completely unfair, especially after watching a UK version of all just normal people. The reality stars have such an advantage over these other Joe Schmoes because the Joe Schmoes are looking up to these reality stars, whether they like them or hate them. They want to, you know, they're fans. So they just had such an unfair advantage the entire time. Yeah, they were starstruck as well. Like some of them were coming in because like one of the first people they introduced was like, I'm a huge reality TV fan. I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, they had a they had half and half. So on the survivor side, sorry, on the celebrity side, they had um, Siri Fields and Stephanie LaGrosa from Survivor. They're two Survivor legends, especially Siri. I feel like everyone knows Siri. Um, they had big brother legends, Cody and Rachel. I didn't know who Cody was. Uh, I did know Rachel because people like tweet about her and stuff. She was pretty annoying, but she was good on the show. Uh, The Bachelor's Ari, who I'm a big fan of. uh, He was a big Bachelor villain back in the day because on his season of The Bachelor, he chose Becca and then he regretted the decision. And then he was like, actually, I changed my mind. I want to be with the runner-up. And everyone hated him. Uh, I was always by his side. And now he and the runner-up have beautiful children together and are married and it was the right decision. And I just think Becca was such an annoying clout chaser. But anyway, that's just a whole (laughs) sidebar. Um, How hot did Ari look, by the way? Wasn't he handsome? I'm telling you, I've always been an Ari fan from the original when he was on The Bachelorette. He's so freaking hot. So when they decided to bring him back, you know, years later as The Bachelor, I was for it. I don't think he presented that well as The Bachelor being his kind of older, more, I don't know, sophisticated self. He was much hotter when he was younger. But on here, loved him. Loved every minute of him. He was so cute. He played the game so well. He did play well. Oh, he was so tall and like, (laughs) he's just like... Tall and I just love him. I was just like so obsessed watching him. He is very boring, but um, but it was funny though because I remember when he was on um, he was on The Bachelor. People were like, "Oh, he's so ugly. Why didn't we get a hotter?" But he's too old. He has like great like people were like really attacking his looks a lot, which I always thought he was good looking. But I think now you see him. He's aged a lot better than many of the other "quote unquote" like hunky bachelors, and he's actually got like a real career. Like they're successful, and he's a real estate guy. He's not just some like loser Instagram person. Um, you also had uh, Kate Chastain from Below Deck, uh, Brandy Glanville, Summerhouse's Kyle Cook, Reza from Shars of Sunset, and then um, the iconic Ryan Lochte, who is this himbo. Olympian who do you remember when he had a reality show years ago yes it was terrible (laughs) it was awful it was just all about how stupid he was I think it was called like what would Ryan do and it was just him Ryan yeah it was very like um Jessica Simpson newlyweds where it's like let's like laugh at how dumb you are but he's like adorably stupid uh Kyle Cook from Summerhouse don't you think he was different on this than he is on Summerhouse I didn't think so. I did. I oh, actually really? liked him better on this. He annoys me on Summer House. He's like a a big kid, but on this, he, I actually looked him at looked at him as more of an adult, more of his age. He's forty. I thought he played a really good strategic game. Um, I think he got in his head too much, and he was probably right on um, the he, whole time. He talked too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's his problem. He does. I talk think. Too much. Um. 
I think on Summer House, he just gets drunk and lets that, like, other side out. But I guess, it, like, he runs that lover boy business and stuff. So, I guess if you've got a successful business, you've got to ha- somehow have your head screwed on. And I've been going on lately, actually, about how fake a lot of the Bravo shows are now. And even seeing him on the Traders verse on Summer House, I'm like, oh, okay, on Summer House, you're, like, playing up this frat thing I can see now because you have this other more serious side. But, um... Yeah, the civilian normie cast was so fucking boring. Like, and the the power dynamic wasn't just in the gameplay, but it was also in just how to get airtime because one, all of the celebrities knew how to get airtime and they're thinking in terms of I'm on a reality show and having a storyline and let me make drama. I mean, Kate, Kate Chastain was literally just, she was the best part of the season, but she was literally just making like, reality tv drama like she wasn't even like playing the com- the competition side of it she's just like your outfit's ugly like you know making <laughs> making like fights um and the viewers were only tuning in for the bravo people so no one was even interested in the civilians so i kind of felt bad for them the only two that stood out to me were um there was christian who was a trader and he was just this overexcited I don't know, he was just like a puppy dog. He was ridiculous, but he had a big personality. And then there was this um, guy, Michael, this gay Southern dad who was, he was a hot-ass mess and he was putting his foot in it and fighting with Kate Chastain. But um, he he definitely popped on the show. He had a lot of personality and everybody else was just snooze fest. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Um, I have a question on what you think... <laughs> After watching to the seasons, the U.S. and the U.K., when Kate was playing and she was throwing the money away and, and they were like, she has to be a traitor. She's trying to get rid of the money. It's like, you guys are so fucking stupid. Why would she get rid of the money? She's winning the money also. The traitors and the faithfuls all win the money at the end. So you're not going to be, you know, uh giving up on competitions to get less money. That didn't make any sense to me. It proved they didn't know what the hell the game was. They didn't understand. And they also like weren't savvy enough to be like, she's been on reality television for however many years. Like she's making a TV show, you know, like she's making drama. Well, what we also found out was Stephanie, Rachel and Siri all did this show called Snake in the Grass on USA Network right before this. So the three of them were all very good friends going in. Now watching it, I never saw Stephanie talk to Siri. I never saw Rachel talk to Siri, but we saw Rachel and Stephanie, you know, palled up together. But Siri kept a close, you know, she was- that was intentional. Right, right. They said, we can't let anybody know that we actually are all kind of friends and friendly. Um, Siri played a fantastic game, obviously. Yeah, and she was she's always been known as like a really strong survivor player. I don't think she had ever won Survivor, had she, but she always no. gets far every time mm-hmm. she plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was running the, the entire show from the start of it. Um, I think moving forward, they either need to go all civilian or all celebrity. Um, they need Agreed. to get rid of the mix. Yeah. yeah. The ending was was strange because Siri wins, but Siri and Ari get to the end because Ari gets recruited as a trader like halfway through. And then he, they make it to the end with these like brainless faithfuls. I can't even remember who got to the end. There were two people that had like no airtime that no one cares about. And um, then Andy Ari. Clinton. 
Oh, yeah, Andy, the the non-binary one and then some other guy. Because they didn't actually explain that um, that Andy was non-binary and there was one part where they were talking about Andy, I think it was like Rachel, and they were using the they, them pronouns and like I'm thinking, wait, who are they talking about? Is there like a secret alliance that I don't know about? And then I, then I realised they were like using Andy's pronouns. But um, at the end, Siri and Ari get to the end with these two losers and then Ari like just quits and he's like look guys i'm a trader i don't need the money my interpretation of this was that and i actually think he was kind of right to do this because he already has money i think i don't think he wanted to look like as the straight white male that he rode on series coattails to the end and took half of her money which he actually would have done because she doesn't have a lot of money in real life she had family she wanted to support with the money, she played the best game. She fucking played the game from day one right to the end and then Ari just kind of, due to a certain rule in there, got an easy ride to the finale. So I felt like he was trying to avoid um, snatching her bag and he stepped aside for that and didn't want to get dragged, which I think was the right decision if he's already rich. Um, And that was the end and... They just filmed the reunion without Brandy Glanville, and I think Rez is not there either. Um, really? If you got, yeah, because I think Rez has um, had a family, a death in the family or something. Oh, so he's yeah, not. His father passed away. Yeah, so I think he's not attending because of that. Um, so they're going to be without a lot of drama because even though Reza got out first, he's the thirsty type that would have been like trying to fight people at the reunion to get you know to have a moment. So I don't know how interesting the reunion will be, especially with, like, the civilian people there. Um, if, if you guys know, I'm sure you've been following it, uh, Brandy wasn't asked to do it because she filmed the Ultimate Girls Trip and she grabbed Caroline Manzo by the pussy and there has been a investigation into this. We don't really know, like, what's going on with that. But um, I did see an interview that Kate Chastain did and she and Brandy, after they filmed The Traders, were offered their own spin-off because they were so funny together. And then Kate got pregnant so she couldn't do it. Um, but since then, like, because Kate was like, oh, the door's still, you know, open, um, but she's never going to get it now because now that she's had this investigation from Peacock, and I sent this to you guys Yesterday, the Peacock channel just uploaded a new compilation. It was like the most savage moments from this season of The Traders. They didn't have Brandy in the compilation at all. She was completely edited Mm -hmm. out. That's crazy. Um, We asked our source about Brandy not being at the reunion and if it was even mentioned. And that person said, nope, wasn't even talked about. So they didn't even address the fact that she's not there. Why she wasn't there. Is she still yeah. taking her podcast right now? I was going to look yeah. at that. She is. And I I never listened to a podcast. For some reason, I listened to a bit of it. And she she obviously can't talk about what happened, but she sort of like vaguely referenced it. And she seems to be laughing it off. Look, a lot of people are on her side because apparently the cast were on her side She also said something to a producer where she told a producer she wanted to fuck them, but the producer was like, no, that's just Brandy being Brandy. Like, we know each other. Um, 
I don't know what's going on. I mean, if you guys are sub- subscribed to my Patreon, I have been saying for ages, like, she needs to get sober. Like, I was the only person that didn't enjoy her on Ultimate Girls Trip Season 2 because I just thought it was, like, sad and she was drinking too much. And then it was just sloppy and gross. You know, it was just like, get it together, girl. And then this happens. So I don't know the circumstances if there's more to this. I guess we'll find out. But I'm just knowing Brandy, having watched her for years, I can already just envision sloppy, gross Brandy trying to, you know, pour at Caroline. And she doesn't they should have had her on another ultimate girls trip. Why? She's already been on one. Why have her again? They're just recycling these people. Cause they're like, well, they're good TV, but we don't want to put them back on a main show. But like, she's yeah, she's fucked up. Like if she is the one that's like, you know, if it's her fault, the whole incident with Caroline, she's just so screwed herself. But then it's also like Bravo's fault a bit too, because they encourage her to drink, you know, and the fans do too. They're like, oh, we love it when she's drunk and messy. So she gets that encouragement to do that. And then when things go too far, it's like everyone wants to drop Brandy like a hot potato and, you know, blacklist her. And it's a bit like, well, you guys kind of like enable this behavior too. But anyway, the, the season was okay. I thought it was a slow burn. I definitely at the beginning was like, I was a bit unimpressed at the start. I'm like, this is just gimmicky and I'm only really watching so I want to see who gets murdered. But definitely the second half of the season uh, as series gameplay intensified, I um, started getting more sucked into it. And I'm like, oh, I think there's really something interesting here with this show. And it was enough to get me to watch the UK version, which then just like totally blew my mind. I mean, one of the best like reality seat, one of the best reality seasons I think I've ever seen, like, don't you completely think? Completely agree. Well, I'm actually happy that I watched the US first. Yes. Because if we did it in reverse, I would have been so pissed off at the US version. Well, you told us about it because I don't think we knew about it. And then you told us about it. So we went through all of this stuff to to watch it. To Get try our to watch VPN. It. Yeah. And, and then it's on Peacock. And we're like, damn it. Yeah, they've released it on Peacock now. I was watching it via this. Um, I'm a member of this like illegal site that it's like an illegal version of Netflix, and you've got to pay for it. Like they accept Bitcoin, and it's like invite <laughs> only. Like you have to have an email to get into this site. And when I was watching the UK version on on Instagram, um, I mean, everyone was replying to me like, "Where are you watching this? Where are you watching this?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I have like an illegal thing." I think you guys were getting that too, and you're like, "We used a VPN." Like. <laughs> It's I know. And then they're like, TV. what's a VPN? I'm like, God damn it. It took me forever to figure out this shit out. I'm not going to try to explain it to you too. <laughs> Just like everything was better on the UK one. The casting was better. The production was better. The way they explained it, the storylines, the twists. I mean, right from the very beginning, they opened the UK version where everyone shows up on this like train platform And then they board this old-fashioned train, like, they're in the Hunger Games, but kind of with, like, an Agatha Christie vibe, and they're going towards the castle, and you really get this sense of, like, okay, these, like, normal people from all walks of life, they're getting on this train, they're entering this, you know, weird world. Whereas when I was watching the Peacock one, first of all, they just dropped them off in, like, you know, a four-wheel drive at the castle. And I always was, like, watching the US version, I didn't understand the tone of the show because i was always like okay well they're in a castle and then you've got alan coming who cummings who hosts it and he very flamboyant and he's dressed in these you know old he's like a sherlock holmes or something and in these kilts and 
fluffing around, but then everyone in there is just dressed normally and they're showing up to get a croissant for breakfast in their Ugg boots. And I'm like, what's the vibe? Whereas I felt like on the UK one, they just like took me into like the concept of the show. I mean, the train was like amazing. Like how exciting was it watching them on the train even? Oh, and how they're interacting, the different ages, sexes. It was such a diverse group. Yes. I mean, it was, and they were all, the entire cast was likable, really. Even the even the unlikable people. I mean, the magician Tom was horrible with the yeah. He was hair. he was the most unlikable. I agree, and he was still he was, a likable, unlikable person. Yeah, well, you appreciate him being good for t- good for television, but yeah, right. the um the casting was classic old school Survivor before Survivor just started casting you know fitness models and stuff off Instagram in those like kind of first ten seasons of Survivor, the golden era, when they would just go, we're gonna get every different kind of person we can find different races ages backgrounds um and we're going to put them on an island and see what happens this was the exact same thing but in a castle i mean you had um the 72 year old retiree lesbian retiree andrea which you find out in a few episodes um the loudmouth female comedian Hannah, who was just totally outrageous, and she was sort of your typical, like you know, like Amy Schumer. Like I, yeah. I bet she has, I bet she has like smutty, like men suck kind of jokes in her act. Definitely. Um, you had Meryl, the little person that works in the call center. Uh, uh, Kier- she was Kieran. Oh, I loved Meryl. Meryl was so good. Um, but, but I Kieran? have to say about Meryl, she wasn't the sharpest tool in the show. No, no, she wasn't. <laughs> None of them were. A lot of them were. um, That they, I mean, even the smart people. I think the psychological pressures from the show like got to them. Um, I mean, Mummy's boy Aaron, the handsome Mummy's boy Aaron, who was adorable. (laughs) After Aaron, at one point, I think he was offered two thousand dollars or maybe two thousand pounds, whatever it was. There was an offer of some amount of money, and he was like. I think I would have taken that. I could have put a down payment on a house for my mom. And I'm like, <laughs> I, for 2000 pounds. <laughs> it was so naive. I mean, he got cast via Instagram and he said this in an interview. They saw his Instagram, but I actually checked his IG. It wasn't like a thirsty Instagram account. It was just, he just was normal. But I think, I think maybe that's actually what casting directors are looking for a bit now is someone that has the look, but the, the account doesn't feel like I'm trying to be an influencer. It just feels like I'm living my life because I think we have so many kind of fake people now. Um, there was Alex. She was sort of the archetype of the let's get the hot girl in in her 20s. Um, she's but she an wasn't. Actress of some sort. Yeah, an aspiring TV presenter. She wasn't a bimbo, though. She was a smart girl, but she, mm-hmm. she was the um, sort of the, the mid-20s, like, hottie, uh God, everyone, like pretty much everyone was memorable. Claire, there was this ex-cop, Claire. Yeah, she got out early, early, but she was good. Okay, one person I found so annoying, but uh, again, great TV, was um, Theo, the gay cheerleading coach. Oh, Theo. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. He was just like, he was so dramatic. He would cry all the time. Oh, my God. Hey, my mom's, wait, let me answer the phone. very emotional. Hang on a sec. Mom, I'm recording a podcast. What is it? I'm going out for brunch. Um, let me call you back in like half an hour, okay? Okay. okay. All right, bye. 
Oh my, she kept calling. Like I didn't answer the phone and it rings again. You know, it's like if someone doesn't answer the phone on the foot, like they're clearly busy. <sighs> um, I'm no Aaron over here, guys. Um, <laughs> Theo was, no, Theo was so fucking annoying to me, but I thought he was great TV, but like just everything was like so, was so dramatic. And then he was like, um, it's so hard being gay, you know? And it's like, okay you film this in 2022 you like live in london you're like very attractive you're on a reality like you're fine like it just was everything was just you would dissolve into a puddle of tears um okay the traders the people that were selected as the traders you had Alyssa, who i loved she was this cute young uh uni student there was will or was it wilf is it will or wilf 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 (laughs) with an f his name is wilfred so it's wilf Okay, so we had Wilf, who was, like, one of the main stars. He he was actually similar to Christian on the Peacock version, so he was, like, overexcited, kind of a jumping out of his skin, a very big personality. He was actually a TikToker before going on there. So, like, he wasn't, like, a, you know, he wasn't Addison Ray, but he was, you know, had a small following, um, and obviously, yeah, he, he was a funny guy. I think he was an ex-dancer. He makes it all the way to the end. And he his character arc was interesting because at the start, I feel like he was just very excited and, like, wanted to play the game and have fun. But then the psychological pressure of it, like, by the end, it's like he had convinced himself he really was a murderer and just had to, like, <laughs> win at any cost. You know, like, he lost himself in the character. Yeah. Well, Jacques, when he had to recruit somebody because he was the only one left and he picks Kieran, he basically blackmails Kieran and says, if you don't come along, I'm killing you. I mean, he was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so dramatic. And when he did that, guys, the way that they play this show up and again, like the American version, it just did, it felt a little corny to me. The UK version, it's so fun. Like they meet outside with their cloaks there's like fire i think there's like you know, fire tiki torch things near them and they're out the front of the shadowy castle it's like i've recruited you like we come along or you'll be murdered um and then they had i mean kind of the star the true star of the show was amanda the third trader she was this sweet welsh grandmother who was cold blooded she was <laughs> lethal I thought in the very beginning, I even messaged Gina, my very first when she was chosen. And, you know, they tap him on the shoulder who the traitors are. And when she unmasked, I thought she's going to give herself away. I mean, the way she was acting, I thought, oh, she's going to be the worst traitor ever. She ended up being one of the best traitors. She was pretty good. She was so savage. And like, what's so shocking about the UK version, again, it's how seriously they take it. Because the American version, yeah, they got a little emotional and stuff, but I think I think because the casting was mixed on the American one too, they couldn't all fully immerse because you had half of the people that have done reality TV and they understand that they're there to make a TV show and that it's a, you know, it's a game. I mean, they've done Survivor, they've done Big Brother, etc. Then you have the normies and they don't really get fully immersed. This one is so psychological, like you're watching. I mean, you feel like you're in university and you're like running tests on people, watching how paranoid they get and how quickly they start behaving completely irrationally. I think they convince themselves that they are about to be murdered and they think that like 
they the the faithfuls think whoever the traitor is that the traitor is like the worst fucking scumbag ever like they oh, don't understand that yeah. the, the, the traitor didn't choose to be a traitor and like it's a game but they think the traitor's like evil it's crazy <laughs> yeah they can't get past it well even the first episode when they arrive at the castle and claudia who i much preferred as the host of the show. She was so subtle in her humor and actually very empathetic at times. Also, as the game went on, she was like comforting some of the players at times. Well, and she engaged so much yeah, more than Alan more. Cumming did with the, with the cast. But that Alan first, Cumming was just doing a shtick. Like it was yeah. just like, Oh, Agatha Christie puns and stuff where mm-hmm. she was like the real deal. And she tells them, line up according to how you think you'll do in the game. And so you knew these two very intelligent men, one a doctor, one a, I don't know, statistician or something. I don't know what he does. But they were like, you know what? Let's just humbly move to the end. We'll we'll come off looking great. Like we're not, no, you know, no pressure here. We're just these two guys just hanging out at the end here. And she's like, okay, you two are gone. You're the least, the two who least thought you had a chance. So see you later. And we're like, what the hell? Only that to was episode bring them back one. later. That was such a great twist. That was so shocking when she did that. And the re- that was so intense, right? Because I think originally Andrea, the retiree, the 72-year-old, had gone to the end. And then someone moved doctor, her up to the front. The doctor oh. who got cut literally moved him. Um, it was Amos. And he took her and he moved her right up to the front. thinking he was being mr gentleman and then he got eliminated but then it was when they bring them back though then he and andrea like rekindled their friendship and were like besties and it was really sweet it was just like oh my god i loved it you really watched Um, out for her i loved her she was so great because you don't see 72 year olds on these reality shows that often like so cool and with the attitude of this is something i will would have never done at my age ever nobody would ever choose her to do something like this and to have them all rally around her not thinking she's like grandmothery they really liked her and they wanted to hang out with her and they wanted her to stay because the story that she told was that if i'm not here what what am i going to do i'm going to go basically go back alone to my house where i'm i'm sitting there lonely so they kind of wanted to keep her there they liked her they liked her each up. other <laughs> they all they liked, liked her all she was telling stories. I remember she's one episode. I think she's telling Aaron stories about what it was like in the 1970s growing oh, up. Yeah, and, Aaron. It's like ancient to Aaron. <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah, I, I saw an interview with someone. I think maybe it was Alyssa. And she said that as soon as you get in the game, the reason they acted like that is because they're in a constant state of fight or flight 24-7 because... They don't know who the traitor is. Every night they go to bed going, am I going to get murdered and eliminated from this game? They know they have to do a banishment where they have to confront people. They are doing these in competitions, which, like I said, the competitions are boring, right? You agree? The competitions suck? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the the Australian version still was the so UK. much better. I'm sorry, the UK version was still so much better than the US version version of each mission that they did. It was a little different twist um, yeah i i agree too. oh yeah but yeah no she was saying they're in fight or flight and that it's just caught and that's why you see them on edge and acting so crazy and stuff um and what is so unbelievable in the uk one is all of the men crying i yes. think men broke down in tears every episode like how often you'll be lucky to see 
one man get emotional on a reality show. Every episode, a guy was breaking down. They were. <laughs> Even Kieran, who I never thought would get there, he completely lost it. More than the women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The women were just like, whatever. Um, something we haven't talked about. What about Alex and Tom? We find out whatever episode, I don't know, maybe it was the second episode or third, yeah. that they're a couple. And it worked so well, but that was such like, you know, reality TV kind of producing, let's throw in a little thing, but it worked so well. So yeah, guys, if you haven't watched it, they add these two people in, Tom, a magician, Alex, the the hot blonde aspiring TV presenter. And then you find out that they're actually dating in real life and then they've come in and then they hide the relationship because they don't want people to think that they have a have an alliance and then a couple of episodes in everyone starts freaking out about who the traitor is something something happens where they're they're pointing fingers uh, over something and then tom freaking out just gets up in front of everyone and goes and he's like stuttering and you know spitting and falling all over himself and he's like Guys, I have something to tell you. I know that Alex isn't a traitor because she's actually my girlfriend. And everyone <laughs> was like, what? And then they like they have this huge fight. They're screaming at each other in over breakfast. I think Theo's crying because again, oh. every little thing in this <laughs> turns into such a huge moment. And then Everyone is the, the next few episodes before Alex and Tom end up getting eliminated. Like, no one, tr- everyone hates them because they're like, You're liars. We can't trust you now. Also, Alex befriended Matt, who truly had a, a huge crush on her, was talking about leaving together, can't wait to date in the outside world. And here she's had her boyfriend Tom there the whole time. It was horrible. Oh, yeah, guys, this guy, there's this guy on there, Matt. He's a skateboarder. He's really cute. He's about like Very 23. Cute. Alex is a total baddie, a total hottie, and he has this crush on her. And then when Tom announces it, Matt bursts into tears at the breakfast table. He starts crying there. (laughs) (laughs) When when I saw that whole scene play out and I saw Matt crying and stuff, that's when I knew, like, this show is something different that we haven't got. And, okay, what was – it was – so intense was the herd mentality that so quickly took over them and the witch hunting like for me it actually reminded me of COVID because obviously in COVID people started turning on each other and like did you break you know your lockdown or why aren't you wearing your mask and stuff you know created all this division and there's so much political division in the world and stuff now people are very divided and turning on each other and this felt like that watching it how quickly they would witch hunt one person and it was most evident. I believe it was around episode two. There's this woman on the show who's missing a hand. She has one hand and her reason for coming on this show is that she wants to win the prize money so she can buy a bionic hand because the bionic hand costs, you know, $80,000, whatever it is. She wants to be able to have use of her hand again. For some reason, they get it in their head. I think just because she wasn't overly emotional or she wasn't extroverted enough, they think, well, you're a traitor because you're acting weird. And she's like, I'm not a traitor, guys. They turn into like rabid cannibals. I mean, they 
It was because she didn't pick up she the water. She up the water to toast or oh. something. And and, and, and oh. it's like, she's like, I don't have a hand. I couldn't pick oh, it up. Yes. It was across the table. I don't have a hand. I mean, the explanation was so real and you felt so bad for her. And it was like, oh my God. But they just went after her for not cheersing with the cup. I mean, it was nuts. Yeah, it was, and it was Alyssa that, Alyssa was a trader that started that, didn't she? Yeah. yeah, she saw, she was like, she started that, she was like, guys, look, I know we don't have much to go on, but, you know, when we all cheers, she didn't, she didn't reach for her what she didn't take a sip when everyone else did, and then that spirals, and she's like, guys, I'm missing my, I don't have a hand, and this is at the banishment, they don't care, they don't even, that's the most plausible excuse ever, they yes. all turn on her. They vote her out, and then when you vote someone out, they have to say if they were a traitor or if they were a faithful. And she's like, I was a faithful. And then they all start crying, and they're like, oh, they feel, like, terrible. <laughs> crying. Oh, man. That okay. was unbelievable. I have to ask you, and this is, would be a question for the U.S. version as well as the U.K. At the very end, Siri had to do the same thing that um, Wilf did. They freaking just went to the height of lying. Yes, they had been lying throughout the game. That was part of it. But at the very end, to look at these people in the face and say, I swear on my life, I am not a traitor. Just to have them vote, you know, vote so that the traitor gets all the freaking money. Could you do that? I mean, I don't think I could go that far. That would be the hardest. And Wilf, I thought Wilf actually went way farther than Siri did. Siri was just kind of, you know, dragged these two little people along with her, knew that, you know, they trusted her. But Wilf was swearing on his life, swearing on his kid's life. That seemed a little extreme. Wilf, like like I said, Wilf like lost himself in the character of it. And then he had um he had Hannah, the comedian on his side, where she was like, There's no chance in hell that he is a traitor. Absolutely not. Like she would not budge on on Wilf. Because they uh, <laughs> someone else suspect okay, I'll talk about that in a second, but could I do that? Um no. And uh I applied for the newest the Australian version. I didn't hear back, but on the application form, you have to say, Do you want to be a trader or a faithful? And I'm like, No, I have to be a faithful because I'm not a good liar. You guys know I'm very honest. Like I'm like, I couldn't <laughs> lie like that. Um, which is another interesting thing about the show is it's kind of scary how easily some of these people can lie. Like they have no, I mean, again, they can swear on their children's life. It's under the most intense pressure. They can just lie, lie, lie. And if you're an honest person, you look at it and you just think, God, I see these people, you know, in real life. And then often it's the people that seem to not fit in, like the woman with the, you know, without the missing hand because she's not, you might not be as extroverted as someone else or as overly, you know, you're not like Theo that's the social butterfly. And they're the ones that get picked off and then the sort of people that, seem nice can be the most like ruthless but um the only person that suspected wilf was <laughs> this woman maddie who was so fucking funny <laughs> she was from the beginning she suspected Wilf, and nobody would believe her no one believed her and she said at the entire game although the thing that made it so funny was Everything else she said was wrong except for suspecting Wilf. And she always had the most ridiculous logic for why she would think people were traitors. And um, 
she was like a receptionist, but she was an actress on the side and she kept it. <laughs> she hid it for half the game. And then she was like, I've got, I've got to tell them that I'm an actress. And she's like, guys, I've been hiding, you know, holding a secret. I'm an actress. I, I played a homeless woman on casualty. And, um, you know, I was a cadaver in, a, in an ambulance on EastEnders. <laughs> She's an extra. She was an extra. An extra. And, and then when, oh, God, they kept asking her, when Andrea was like, well, that's good for you. She's like, oh, my God, I just couldn't hold it in any longer because, you know, I don't want you guys to think I'm acting. It's like, no, we no. didn't, Maddie. There's, we think, yeah, but now we do. Yeah. Now we think you're just stupid for telling us that. Everybody thought she was a dingbat. <laughs> Oh, that she was, was a dingbat, but crazy. it was like oh. she, she was like brilliant TV. Another iconic moment was again with the witch hunting and the herd mentality, which got so fucking nasty. At one round table, I think Maddie actually started this because Maddie kept suspecting Aaron the whole time, who was yeah. a faithful, and they all turn on Aaron. And then poor sweet Aaron has like a panic attack and <laughs> runs out of the room into that there's like an alleyway because i think they film it at a studio i don't think they're filming the the banishment in the castle and like he he runs out and the the they break the fourth wall and you see the producers like comforting him he's full full of crying having a panic attack in the alley which was again like when i was watching that i'm like we do not get these moments on reality television anymore like we've all been watching housewives where they're coming in and acting out a storyline and and it's all fake. Even um, the current season of Married at First Sight in Australia, that's airing and there's this bride that, uh, it's this whole thing, but she finds out on her wedding day that her um, her groom had a girlfriend before coming into the experiment and that he was, like, planning to be with her and stuff. And then her friend tells her at the wedding, like, oh, I know him from the real world. He has a girlfriend. And then she's crying. And then we found out through, you know, the Daily Mail, et cetera, that she already knew that he had this girlfriend, that she acted and it was a plant. And she just, like, so we're so used to all this fake stuff on reality shows. And then to get, you know, grown men crying and having panic attacks and, bullying somebody that's disabled <laughs> like just stuff that we wouldn't you don't get anywhere else um i think bringing it yet- back to that original that's what it felt like though the original reality tv like the first series of survivor and all that it it really did feel that way and i'm not sure if it was just the great casting uh by the uk or what i wonder can they recreate this magic again because it was just so good like just the casting and stuff was so incredible like i don't think they had one dud cast member because even the people that like i was looking at the full list of them and even some of the people that flew under the radar a bit i'm like i could watch them again because i would be interested to see like more from them you know i just think everyone was so good um i think it's going to be hard because they know the game they know what people are going to be looking for something different also from the UK to the U S version. Stephanie told us they actually stayed in the castle. Like they slept there. Everything was done in the castle where the UK version, they showed them drove driving away every night, yeah. like staying somewhere else. They left. I think that, yeah, I think they have to kind of sequester them. Uh, one, so they don't find out who the traders are with those filming things and they've got to do confessionals. I mean, they must have been filming so much, honestly, because they're there all day. They do the challenges. They film a banishment. The traders have to be up at night to film their clock tower meeting of who are we going to 
uh, get rid of. They have to all film confessionals every day. I mean, they must have, which, do you know what? Now I think about it, I'm just putting two and two together. That probably contributed to their emotional state because they're going off of just a couple of hours of sleep every night. And people would comment all the time that they couldn't sleep because they're worried they were going to get murdered. So, yeah, I think that they were on edge. I think that as long as they... um. As long as they keep them in that bubble, like it's that big brother bubble, like as long as they keep them in there, you know, they don't have their mobile phones, they're paranoid, I think that they'll still be able to create it. And I think the producers will come up with new twists just like they did on the first episode where they went line up and then they eliminated the two people that were at the end. I think they'll come up with things like that to keep us on our toes. I do think that they should get not get rid of the challenges because you need them but i do think the challenges need to be a bit more um more focused on like the human like making human drama between people um like i don't know like you know how they'll do things where like honesty games where you've got to say who you think is the most it needs to be more like that because we Mm want to get that psychological like big brother element not so much just like fun and games it needs to be stuff that's going to like affect them psychologically and bring out different sides of them i mean i feel like on survivor the best challenges are the endurance challenges where they've got to you know stand on a pole or something for (laughs) those are the best ones um because there's sort of like a human element to that and then also when they do the auction because the auction's so fun when oh yeah that's (laughs) like Yeah, the food auction. Um, I think it would be great to add, like you said, Love Island as the one. Who in the group do you think is the most thirsty? And then they have to vote that because that does get some talking going on. And you know, well, they did one. They did who who can who out of the group do you trust the most? Oh, right. And that was amazing. That was an incredible scene because oh, it caused all kinds of drama. Theo again started crying during that when he, he had to. I mean, it was. Just- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> because Wilf didn't um, pick him and then Hannah got mad because Wilf didn't pick her. I mean, oh yeah, the- yeah, cuz then that tested there cuz it's like, well, I thought you were my friend and then you didn't choose me as the most trustworthy and then in that one, Maddie, the actress, the extra actress, got <laughs> voted the least trustworthy and then she got an option of like, do you want to leave with, you know, 2 grand or do you want to stay to the end and she like was going back and forth and then she's like, "No, nah, I'm going to stay." And then like within like one episode, she's like, "Oh, Really should have took that money. Hey, <laughs> really could have helped my family with that. Which, by the way, it's not a lot of money by reality standards, but I like that clearly, like you brought up Aaron before saying you can put a down payment on the house. Clearly, a lot of them didn't have that much money. So just like 2,000 pounds was a lot to them, which yeah. I think is really good to have people like that in that really like need the money because they're going to play harder. Oh my God. And who I want to talk about, who we forgot about someone I loved was um, Imran, the, the youngest PhD scientist guy. He thought he was going to go the distance. I thought he was such good casting. He was so cocky, which he should have, like he was very cocky, but I was like, yeah, you should be cocky because yeah, he, he mentioned it every time, which I think was kind of a bit of editing because they make you say the same thing and then they stitch it all together so it looks like it's the only thing you talk about. But he, he was only like 23, but he'd already like graduated with honours in some, you know, astro, there's like an astrophysicist or something. And he, had, he, had, he was in, um, I think he started university at like age 14. Yeah, it was so really, really, yeah. 
Yeah. It was crazy. Like, and he was like good looking and very educated and well spoken and um clearly smarter than everyone. But skills. well, that's why, because he started yeah. university at 14. He would have been great to watch yeah. through this process because he would have really been a mess. Yeah. And he was the one who started saying, like, well, that team's not gonna win because they got the, all the old people on that team. Yeah. You know, he just yes. was like, I'm just gonna say whatever I want. He had no filter, yeah, and um, no no social skills, which was really interesting. And they also, like, um, they turned on him pretty quickly because of that. And I actually, like, I was half joking, but um, I, I post on my Instagram, I'm like, this is giving racist how they're, like, I'm not, the, I'm not the one that always pulls the, like, they're being racist on, the, like, this show. But I'm like, they're really going at him. But then, like, someone messaged me, and this, this is true. They're like, no, it's, like, really a class thing in the UK because the UK is very class-based. And, you did, again, you had all these people that were, like, very working class and that, you know, $2,000 is going to change their whole life. And then you have him who is the most educated, confident from clearly this sort of upper crust you know educated family and I think people found that very intimidating but I loved him and wanted to see more of him um yeah just incredible in the UK what they kept saying was they all liked each other so much that they just needed one little in to be able to pick somebody off so just by him saying one thing that was off color it was like he's gone that's a good reason to get rid of him because they just liked each other. They didn't want to vote anybody off. Well, I heard that as well. What happens is because they get so paranoid, like I think Kieran said this in an interview, is that if you have like one change in your personality, people see that and they think, are you the traitor? So then when they were filming it, they all felt this this pressure to just act the same all the time. So that's going to make you crazier because now you're overthinking every little thing you do and you're like, oh, if I laugh at this joke, now are they going to think that I, because I wasn't laughing before, like that's going to get in your head and that's going to make you crazy. Again, which is why you can't be mixing celebrities with civilians and stuff. You've got to have people on the same playing field to drive them crazy. Um, I also watched the Australian version of The Traders. I actually haven't watched all of it. I got right up to the finale and I didn't watch the finale, which apparently is really good. The Australian version, I actually do think that it's better than the American one. I think the American one was actually the worst of the three that I watched. Um, The Australian one was very flawed. Like, you guys have been watching um, a few Australian reality shows. Like, I know you watch Married at First Sight. And you know how, like, with the Australian editing, they definitely do a lot of Frankenbiting and they do a lot of loud orchestral musical scores, which is, like, very overwhelming. They do all of that crap. Some of it feels a bit low budget. It's flawed, but they have some really interesting characters in there. And um, one thing they do in the Australian one, it's all strategy. Like there's, you don't really get the psychological kind of element and they don't film it in Scotland. They just film it in some manner in like, you know, outside of Sydney because they don't have the budget to go to Scotland. <laughs> so I, you don't get the same psychological thing, but the strategy is interesting every single conversation is about strategy it's a little bit like um you know how survivor now is very strategy focused and let's blindside people um and they play really hard like there's no sort of like innocent fawn in the woods that's thinking like the uk one oh i'm making you know such great friends and we're going to be besties the australians are like really cutthroat and they're like the start of the day before they're even you know, near the banishment, they're already coming up with their alliances of like who we're going to vote out. So 
it's kind of interesting. And you have, um, there are some people on there that are just like killer players where I'm like, you need to put this person onto like Survivor and onto, you know, Big Brother US. Like they're that good. So if it's on Peacock and you kind of have like become obsessed with the traders like I have, I do recommend um, watching the Aussie version. Um, one standout character, I know if you guys watch it, you'll love this. They they bring a psychic in and she's a very like new agey, hippie psychic that thinks that she can like predict everything and like all of her predictions are wrong of course and like before a challenge she'll be like okay you know the spirits are telling me that i think we need to divide with you know xyz you guys need to be on this team and and no one's like taking her seriously and then she starts getting upset that people aren't respecting her psychic abilities so (laughs) she um they go to the banishment it's a spoiler alert and then I think she says something. She makes another prediction. No one, like, really listens to her. So she gets up and she's like, you know, I'm leaving. But she goes, the traitors are. And she names, like, four or five people and then just walks out and quits the show and you never see her again. And then one of the people that she said ends up being right. Like, they end up banishing someone that she would said. And then they they do start getting paranoid because they're like, we think she predicted, like, yeah, and then on the hit list, it becomes the people that the psychic had said, and they start targeting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Somebody so, a message. One of our listeners said Australian um, traders is fire, so they like it. Huh. Do you think oh. they watched um, these other versions before they did theirs, or no? Um, no, like they didn't know. Like, okay, so this aired before. Um, God, I don't. It definitely aired before the Peacock one. And I remember when it came out in Australia, I didn't watch it. It had really bad ratings. And I remember the ads for it. And I was like, what the fuck is this show? I'm like, this sounds so confusing. And I'm like, this is so corny because I saw promos for it and they're in the cloaks and everything. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is never going to fly. And I do think some of that was just on the marketing of it, that they didn't do a good job of, like, selling you what it is. And I do think this is a bit of a slow burn show. Like, I think the Peacock one, the only reason people watched was because they put Bravo celebrities in there, like Brandy Glanville. And then you watch for Brandy Glanville, and then you're like, oh, I actually like the concept of the show. And I think in the UK, it became a word of mouth hit where it started getting more and more ratings as people watched and they're like, you've got to look at this show. It's brilliant. And then that became a sensation that way. But I do think it's kind of the concept is a hard sell for people. But then once you get into it, it's so good. And um, I got so obsessed with it that I started playing the game Among Us. Any mums of young kids will be familiar with it. But Among Us is basically the traders in game form. And what you do is you play as these little spacemen and you play with other players. So it's on your phone. You can play it on PlayStation. You can play it on anything. And I was playing it on my phone. And you have traders, which are imposters in Among Us. So two or three people get selected to be imposters. And then the rest of you are just these, you know, normal cabin crew people. And you've got to go around. You've got to fix this ship. And then the imposters have to murder you without being spotted. And then you can call a meeting. You go to this round table and you call a meeting and that's when you do like a banishment and you go, oh, I think it's the yellow space man because I saw him, you know, he was the last person in the room with, you know, purple before purple got killed because they've all got a different color. Um, And I got so addicted to it. I've stopped playing it now, but after I watched the traders, I was playing this for like, 
awake. <laughs> like I wasn't sleeping. I was staying up till like it's four so in the morning oh. playing it. And <laughs> like, I couldn't stop. It was so good. And it's also like I can understand how they would get crazy doing the show because even me playing the game right, I would go into, you know, a, a banishment and someone would like accuse me of being the imposter. And I'm like, I wasn't. I'm like, they're lying. And they're like, I saw him in that room. And I'm like, I was not there, guys. I'm telling you. And then they do the witch hunt herd mentality. They vote you out. And then it's revealed, hey, they weren't an imposter. And you're like, I fucking told you I wasn't fucking. (laughs) But it's so true. The more you deny and try to explain yourself, you just sound guiltier and guiltier. It's horrible. I get angry too because I'm like, I explain very logically. Like I have a very logical explanation for like, no, I wasn't there. I was actually doing the asteroid task where I had to blow up the asteroids in this room and Pink saw me in there. Like I have an alibi and they're just like, nah, like someone accused you. Um, It's wild. But it's also because Among Us is played largely by children and they're so stupid, these kids. Like, you can tell a child, you can tell a child anything. Like, you can just acute, and then they just all will get along. So, oh I will say, from when I was playing, I actually um, I got some of my friends who are my age to sign up as well. And we started our own thing. And then we got people that I think were a little older in. And then the quality uh-huh. of the gameplay was a lot better because when we got into these, you know, banishments, um, we could all kind of argue properly as adults and then we could get better at deceiving because then when you're the imposter, honestly, it's so thrilling to go and like <laughs> kill someone and then like blame someone else. And at first I was scared to do it like because I like you're getting nervous even though it's just a game, right? But then I was playing as the imposter one time. I murdered someone and then we got to the – no, then I ran and called the meeting and I'm like, I saw green in the room when they died and everyone – and the person's like, what? It wasn't me. And then you whip everyone up into a frenzy to get on them and it's just like – It's fun though, very, isn't it? <laughs> it's so fun. And I actually saw online that the um, the the Traders UK cast, they all played Among Us like as a special thing they, and they streamed it on like Twitch for the fans of the show to watch. The last thing I wanted to, um, all right, thank you so much for coming on the pod. I've wanted to have you on for so long. I've just been like waiting to find like the right show and something that we're really into and I'm so glad we did it on this. Um, plug your show and tell people where they can find you and, you know, what they're going to get. Oh, what what are they going to get? get a whole lot of shit show is what you're going to get. <laughs> we talk about a lot of different shows, like you said, um, up front, Bravo, you know, Married at First Sight. Also, we cover streaming, like Netflix shows that we like, some documentaries that we watch. So it's yeah. kind of a... It's broad. literally whatever we're watching yeah. we talk about. And we talk about our husbands sometimes, make fun of them, what we're doing, what's going on. So if you don't like that... <laughs> Don't listen. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, thank you so much for coming on, guys. Uh, check out Dame Sue Dish. The links are in the show notes and all the links to me are there. And I will see you all. I don't know when I'll see you all. I'll see you all when I see you. Bye, guys. Bye.